Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Folks, it's Friday morning and it's time for some news and for some good news. Good Friday morning, everyone, and welcome to the Wittenberg Door. I'm your host, Pastor Brett Corneas, and with me, as always today, is my friend and bodyguard, Alan Dean. Say good morning, Alan. Good morning, Alan. <laughs> also with us today is a friend and fellow pastor from Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Powell, Ohio, Reverend John Hoey. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Folks, if you're joining us this Friday morning, I want to remind you that this is a live program, and you can call us with your questions and comments at 740-383-WWGH. That's 383-9944. You can also leave us a Facebook comment or question on our Facebook group, The Wittenberg Door, and uh, give us a call. We would be happy to hear from you this morning. Uh, now, we're going to begin, folks, with there's uh, some coverage over the last week on a story that is not good news and, in fact, somewhat disturbing. Uh, most Christians understand that abortion is murder. The Holy Scriptures, the source from which we draw our teaching for faith and life, in uh, practice, because the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the writings of the apostles and prophets, clearly teaches that all life, especially human life, is a blessing from the Lord. The psalmist says children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a great blessing. God is intimately acquainted with us from the moment of our conception. Again, the psalmist says, we are knit together by God in our mother's wombs. Our life from conception is human life, created in God's image and worthy of dignity and protection. Sadly, many in our culture have forgotten this. Even apart from the scriptures, for those who are not Christians, there is evidence that with the fetus we are dealing with a living human being. It has a heartbeat at 14 days. It has measurable brain waves at 28 days. In the womb, the infant can hear and react to the outside world, explore the environment that it is in, and it can even be plainful, playful. It can be disturbed and feel pain. It can experience fear. A fetus has all the characteristics of humanity with unique human DNA, yet it's legal to kill that infant if the mother so chooses. Many of us object to the brutality and inhumanity of abortion. But this last week, we were treated to a level of brutality and inhumanity we didn't even suspect. Through a pro-life group producing an undercover video, we learned from the lips of an abortion doctor herself what was happening with the remains of these fetuses. As the abortion doctor hungrily feasted on forkfuls of salad and sips of wine, she described the process by which the remains of the aborted fetus is marketed and sold to researchers seeking fetal tissue. Unashamedly and matter-of-factly, she told how her clinic responds to requests for certain organs. She calmly described how she uses the ultrasound 
to crush the infant to death in such a way as to preserve the desired organ or tissue. She then discussed the cash value of such organs, again all while sipping her wine and crushing forkfuls of salad. We used to decry the fact that a fetus, a human being, was treated as worthless. We now have an idea of the value of human life in the eyes of an organization such as Planned Parenthood. Apparently, the value is 30 to $100. Folks, abortion is wrong. It is positively evil. But the evil is compounded by the callous, hard-hearted commerce that arises from abortion, where researchers eagerly seek the benefit from the termination of innocent human life, and Planned Parenthood seeks to profit by it. One can only hope that government takes seriously its primary calling to protect human, innocent human life, puts businesses like Planned Parenthood out of business, and redirects the efforts of physicians to fulfill their Hippocratic oath as caregivers rather than to violate that oath. Often in political debates, especially heated political debates like abortion, the conversation becomes sidetracked with acrimony and hate. But we don't want to give mankind's great enemy an opportunity to lead us to hate or to revenge. It is not our office as citizens to be vengeful, and God calls us to love our neighbor, even when our neighbor is an abortion provider. God loves sinners. God loves murderers. He does not want them to perish, but to have eternal life. And the substitutionary death of Christ paid for all sins and for all sinners. What Jesus did on the cross saves us. And there is no sin that is beyond the power of the cross. Just as he died, so he also rose from the dead. Sin and death has been defeated. And he lives to save everyone who calls on his name. So if you've been involved in the abortion industry, if you've uh, had an abortion, I want you to know that there is no acrimony or hate coming from the church. We love you because God loves you. He loves you enough to have sent his only begotten son into death to rescue you from sin and death. Repent and believe the gospel. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are no special sinners. Sin is sin. And so we have this in common. But we also have a Savior in common who calls us to repent and promises that everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. 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 So it's quite shocking, this news, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We, uh, uh, you know, for a long time, you know, we've decried uh, abortion clinics as, as uh, not valuing human life at all. And here we, we find out that they indeed do value human life. But uh, in a way we didn't expect. Uh, $30. In a way, yes, $100. 30 to $100. In a, way that, in a way that really alarms us. In a way that's uh, sadly and alarmingly reminiscent of uh, things we heard about as school children when we learned about Nazi concentration camps. I mean, this is, uh, 
truly bizarre, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I watched some of the news uh, shows about this and some of the interviews, and one of the interesting things is they're able to use ultrasound in order to make sure that uh, they harvest the tissues. They uh, kill the t- fetus uh, in such a way as to... Uh, where they put the forceps. Yeah. So they don't do damage to the organs. Yes. And I really think for the uh, younger generation, uh, I think the younger generation, because of technology and things like that, I think we're going to see, um, I think we already see a shift in people's thoughts about that. I hope so. Because of technology. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you see, and uh, several of my family, friends, have come back with these 4D ultrasounds of their children in the mm-hmm. womb. And you see all their features. And you see uh, the the dimensional features of these children. You see what they look like. Mm -hmm. You know, you see their resemblances to their parents. And it's got to have an impact on how people begin to view abortion. I also also personally hope that uh, as Planned Parenthood's in the news that they'll do They'll dig, dig a little deeper and find out there's a lot of racism in the uh, the original intent of uh, of uh, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, and you know we're getting rid of all vestiges of racism right now. Yeah, like Bill Bill Cosby, all his records are being burned, and yeah. uh, they're going to exhume some uh, dead Confederates and generals. Stuff like. Yeah, so th- why not deal with this racism as well? Yeah, amen. Well, let's get back to that. That's a great point, Scott. Do we have a caller? We do. Okay, mm. let's uh, caller. You're on the air. Hello. Hello, Brett. Hello, Hi. John. Hello, everybody. Hi there. Hello. Hey. Listen, this is a, a, a very subject very dear to my heart. Uh, uh, when I was 30 years old, which I'm not now, <laughs> hmm. I'm an elderly lady now. Yeah. My husband told me to have an abortion. Hmm. That's the most awful thing. And I told them I thought it was murder. It was against my religion. Yeah. And he made me do it because I think he was leaving me for somebody else and didn't want to pay child support. How awful can they get? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's horrible. Yes, it is. And I shouldn't have done it. It took me eight years to forgive myself. I knew God forgave me, but it took me eight years yeah. A total. It was awful. Yeah. If you couldn't know what a mother, any of the mother's instinct. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Now, this was um, th- was this after abortion was legal? It was legal. It was in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, okay. It happened in Columbus, uh-huh. and I told them they had a like a a counselor there before you did this. Yeah. I said I think it's murder, and they went ahead with it anyway. Oh. And that is so sad. And they were foreigners. And, and, the, and the doctor that did it, you're wide awake and it's very painful. Oh. Mm. And did they know that uh, your husband was putting you up to, do, to doing that? He drove me to the parking lot and let me walk in by myself. Oh, oh he didn't go in with you. Myself. How about the counselor? Did, did they know that? They said, well, she's had eight. Hmm. The doctor had eight abortions. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Now, I was horrified by this whole tragic thing. 
Yeah. And I am totally pro-life. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. You know, and, and, and boy, that's, uh, that's something that people need to remember, isn't it? You know, when we, when we talk about abortion and we condemn the practice of abortion, oftentimes what it sounds like is we're condemning uh, people who, like us, have sinned. And, uh, well, we all have sinned. We've all, mm-hmm. We all have sinned. And, uh, and so uh, what that it, that's what it big... sounds like, though. Uh, uh, but but how, how it's wonderful to know that you've experienced the mercy of God, that you know the good news, that your sins are forgiven. Yeah, he forgave and, me. Yes. But I couldn't forgive myself. Yeah. And we need to know that uh, we're weak people. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're very yeah. weak. Yeah. And we do things on the spur of the moment. Maybe we love somebody we shouldn't love. Yeah. Or something like, you know what I'm saying. Yes, that's right. Yeah. We, and, yeah. and we do things and make a great mistake. Yeah. And we feel so condemned. Yeah. But... Well, what, what advice... So me, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, he is so loving. Yes, he is. he forgives us all. God is nothing but pure love. Amen. Mm-hmm. You all agree on that? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think love is the answer to all things. Mm, if we yeah. just keep on loving people and our neighbors as ourselves, I do believe that that's the answer to all things. That's that's it. We have to we have to love people. As I, I you know, I've tried to express that uh, oftentimes with the abortion debate, it, it sounds very personal and sounds very acrimonious. Uh, it sounds hateful when you take a certain position, and it sounds like you're you don't have any respect oh, for your you fellow, fellow human being. I'm sorry, what? I want to ask you a question. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. Can I ask a question? <laughs> yes, yes, you may. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys. I want to know where something's located in the Bible. Okay. In the last days, mother will turn against daughter and daughter against mother. Yes. I'm having a little problem with my youngest right now. Oh. And I know that's written. I think it's in Matthew 10. Yeah, it's definitely in the Gospels. Yeah, Matthew Is 10 sounds right. Is there a right. on the Mount or something like that? No. Yeah, we're we're going to look this up for you here. Okay. I want me to take my answer off the air. Okay. okay. I got one quick question for you. When you were talking to the counselor, did were you able? Did they ask enough questions that they knew that you were there because your husband was forcing you to do this? No. no. Do you okay. think? Do you think they had the idea? They gave me a pill to relax me, and I uh-huh. had women around me in the waiting room crying, crying tears. Oh. Maybe some couldn't afford a baby and did that. They didn't want to do. Oh, no, everybody was crying. And then when I got home, my husband criticized me because I wasn't even crying. Really. So they weren't even asking you. They didn't no, t- seek to determine to whether you wanted it or not, or. No, there yeah. was no sympathy. Just, it was just a, a business. It was a business. Mm. Yes. The reason I ask that Money question is, business. the reason I ask that question is, you know, we're we're called anti-life, or really we're, we say pro-life, and they're pro-choice. But so often, many of these women really don't have a choice. Their boyfriends are making them do it, or mm-hmm. their parents, or their husband. Or they're so, embarrassed because they're too young. They're maybe a teenager in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of is a possibility. Yeah. yeah. And so they're not get, given the choice. Yeah. Right. In spite of their, their, their rhetoric about being pro-choice. And they're not given an informed choice. Yes. That's yeah. True. Yeah. Well, they're not really... They just they just take the money and run. Yeah. I hate to say it, but that's the deal. It's cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cold. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, 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 very, it is. Very, very right. traumatic experience. 
Yeah, and it, and it's something that uh, you know, as you said, it's hard, very hard to forget those things. Uh, one thing that always comforts me in my sin is that I remember that Scripture tells us that God takes our sins and He throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. Thank you for saying that because I love that. <laughs> me too. I, I me too. It's that. very comforting, isn't it? It is very comforting. Thank so, you so much. So what we remember, God chooses not to remember. So I love Him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just Amen. Love him. Amen. Okay. okay. Thank you. Very good. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hey. So, in <laughs> reference to her question, in reference to the question, it's Matthew ten thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, John, will you read that for us? Read that in context, just to to give her a. Oh, <laughs> make you get your device out again. Um, Look at these in, devices. In, in the context, it says Jesus said, uh, "Whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven." Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Let's come, back, let's come back to that again. Uh, there's, another, there's another passage I think is a little bit different. But we got another caller. Okay, caller, you on the air? Yes, you do have another caller. How are you all? Today? Not bad. How are you? Uh, better than I deserve. Thank you. For Amen. That. Amen. I uh, I heard your last caller. My personal feeling is, and it's it's an opinion uh, related from what I know of Scripture, that someday that that young lady will or older lady. Any lady, if they're with with Christ and in a realm of eternity with the God and Father, that someday they'll hold that child in their arms again. Mm-hmm. I do believe that to be true, and uh, um, there's hope even from that perspective because you're going to know that that child uh, in the realm of the Father and eternity will love uh, in a way that we can't quite understand here on earth. And another area that I wanted to mention, um, and it just personifies uh, the truth, and that's is the depravity of man. I uh, mm-hmm. I am just amazed. You're you're familiar with the term, are you not? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just amazed. At the older that I get not only just what we personally are capable of, but how that is personified in today's society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, what would you, what would you say? Uh, well, let's define that word for that. That's a, that's a very interesting word. It's relevant to the issue. Uh, when you say depravity, how do you define that word? Well, it's the reality that sin in our own lives is, can be taken to the point where um, it's horrible beyond our own imagination. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a reality that we're far worse than we think we are. Yes. I think that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and all of us are capable of, mm-hmm. quite frankly, anything. Yeah. Yeah, the so Bible, the Bible teaches that very clearly, doesn't it? 
it certainly does. In fact, uh, if you think you're better than someone else, doesn't the Scripture tell us to take the log out of our own eyes? Yeah. I think it's only by the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that... Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah, and oftentimes the word depraved gets used of criminals. You know, uh, it's depraved indifference, uh, for instance, in a court of law, is kind of a legal definition of someone who's, you know, has really has really done something uh, wicked and evil. Uh, and and so we get the idea that depraved kind of means this this really bad thing. If you're depraved, you're really bad. Uh, but the truth is. Uh, to be de- to depraved to be depraved doesn't mean we are as bad as we could be. It just means that in every part of our life, uh, uh, especially in in our in, this, in spiritually, we are fallen from God and um, and and sinful. Uh, one of the things that keeps our depravity in check, and it's interesting that you just mentioned this, but one of the things that keeps our depravity in check is the law. Uh, the law of God that, that is written in each heart, the law of God that forms kind of the basis of uh, how, how human society uh, governs itself. And so when c- the culture in general begins, to, especially in a, in a culture like ours, where we begin to uh, um, lose our moral, our, the moorings that we have, the, uh, the, the moorings of the law, we begin to slide away from that then we find that the depravity of man is, is revealed in, in ever deeper ways. Uh, society can get worse because of the kind of people that we are. And, uh, and we're seeing a, a little bit of that now. I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that Scripture says is the, uh, the wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. And so when we, when we lose that kind of that check on our depravity, if you will, and 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 the law begins to, you know, let let people do abortions and, uh, you know, whatever other uh, sinful inclinations uh, man is is inclined to, uh, our depravity becomes more evident, and I think that's what we're seeing, what we're seeing now. And certainly, the law exposes our depravity, doesn't? Yes, mm-hmm. and and it and and it. And it exposes all our depravity. You know, yeah. a good, honest, hard look at the law, as you mentioned before, a good, uh, hard, honest look at the law means that all of us are going to discover our sin, uh, our sinfulness, and uh, and, this and our should, need for our need for Jesus Christ, and our need for a Savior. That's right. Who, who, who is Christ the Lord? That's right. Well, I think you mentioned it. It covers our sin. Doesn't the Scripture say that our sins, by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ, are as far away the east is from the west too. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and I believe uh, the law exposes each of us individually, and where it exposes me, where I'm uh, fallen and depraved, uh, is maybe not your issue. You know. Yeah. And uh, and one of the things that religious people especially need the law for is that sometimes we can be very prideful. You know, and and. Wasn't Jesus the harshest against the Pharisees in his day for their um, lack of love towards their neighbor and their hypocrisy? The hypocrisy, right. And the hypocrisy uh, basically was that they considered everybody else depraved but not themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they weren't subject well, part to of the 
part of the deception of the enemy, the devil, is the fact that we can't see ourselves. We're, we're blind. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Yes. It saved a wretch like me, I once was lost. Now I found we're blind. But now I see. Amen. God bless and thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Very good. This is two very good calls. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, right. Uh, now, I want to get back to this other, uh, uh, our first caller who mentioned the passage. And um, I, I think uh, what she said was, I will set, she mentioned the text, I will set a father against his uh, son and a daughter against it's her mother. Important. And... Uh, uh, the man, the enemies of a man's household, uh, 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 man's enemy, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household, which is uh, there's a little bit different context to that, but it's similar to that. We'll uh, we'll make sure we find that and uh, mention it next broadcast. Yeah, I think it, it. I think it's in the general context of standing up for your faith. You yes. Know, yeah. That will sometimes create. It opposition. causes division. It causes division when. That doesn't yeah. give you an excuse to be belligerent with no, your no. beliefs and stuff. Yeah. No, but just confessing Christ is going to cause a division uh, in in the closest relationships you have in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, then, then Jesus' words apply. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy mm-hmm. of me. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, very good. Well, folks, we've talked about the news, and we've... Uh, we're going to move on now. We're going to talk about the good news. Uh, as uh, I've told you here before, our, our uh, congregation, Gethsemane Lutheran Church and Marion here, uh, we have a, a lectionary that we use. Every, every Sunday has a prescribed lessons. And so uh, the Sunday coming up here is um, uh, uh, eighth Sunday after Trinity. Eight, yeah. And uh, Alan, will you read? Uh, let's, begin with the, uh, let's begin with the intro it. For the Sunday, because it kind of sets the tone for the passage. The intro. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. And the, and the, the by the way, the intro comes from where? Okay, so this is from uh, the Book of Psalms. Uh, this is chapter forty-eight, verses one a, three, eleven, and fourteen. So Psalm forty-eight. So this yeah. is yeah, this is the Psalm. So. <clears throat> we have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of God, his holy mountain, within her citadels. God has made himself known as a fortress. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because your judgments. This is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. And glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so you pray, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. So the subject of this psalm is not only God, but the city of God, <clears throat> uh, Mount Zion, and, and we have this kind of this beautiful imagery from the Old Testament of uh, Jerusalem and the citadels and the and the walls that protected and were a refuge for the people. Uh, John. 
when we think about Jerusalem today or we think about the city of God, what are we really talking about? Uh, in the scriptures, we, we would apply that to uh, the people of God, the church. The church, yeah. Uh, Paul, St. Paul in, in uh, Galatians chapter 4 kind of outlines that, doesn't he? And he talks about the, the Jerusalem from above. Who's, whose mother, uh, who is our mother, right? Right, and, and in the book of Revelation towards the end, I saw a new Jerusalem coming out of, out of heaven, mm-hmm. adorned as a bride for her groom. Yeah. You know. So here is, this, here is this city of God, which is the church, uh, this place of refuge, this place of uh, um, where the praises of God are spoken. spoken. And this is really, uh, th- th- really psalm, uh, this psalm is really about God's praise or what we might call orthodoxy, uh, true doctrine, uh, the place where people come and hear the, the things that they really need to hear about the salvation that God provides. And so it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the lessons, because in the rest of these lessons, we'll be talking about uh, what doesn't belong in the church. Uh, and uh, we're warned about the false prophets. So let's move along to the, <clears throat> to the Old Testament lesson. And, and Alan, will you read that for us? From, and tell us where that's from. This is from the book of Jeremiah, and this is the 23rd chapter. And we're going to start at verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them have stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and hear, hear his word? The Justice Department has been asked to open a criminal investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. <laughs> okay. That was not know. from Jeremiah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, what translation was that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll start this part again. Yeah. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see to see and to hear his word, or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the attempts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and that they would have turned, turned them from their evil ways and from the evil of their deeds. Am I the God at hand, declares the Lord, or not a God afar off? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets had said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy deceit of their own heart? Who think, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams and they tell one another even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. 
but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? It is not is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Okay. Uh, so the subject of this of this text is the false prophets and Jeremiah, who is a prophet of Israel from about the sixth century BC. Um, he prophesies around the events of the destruction of Jerusalem and the deportation to Babylon. And just before all that happens, of course, uh, there are a number of uh, people who presume to prophesy, who presume to bring uh, a word of the Lord to uh, uh, the people of Israel and uh, as to comfort the people of Israel in their sin. Um, Israel at the time had, was going astray. They were worshiping other gods. They were worshiping the Baals. They were worshiping the Asherah. And so here were these false prophets who came along and said, uh, no destruction will come upon you. Everything will be okay. Uh, what is it that the, that the false prophets say? They say, um, no disaster will come upon you. And uh, uh, they say, uh, uh, speak visions of their own heart. It shall be well with you. It shall you. be well with you. Yeah. And to everyone who follows uh, their own, stubbornly follows their own heart, they say no disaster will come upon you. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, you know, this is the, the prophet, or we might say today, uh, the pastor or the preacher, or the religious leader, who, uh, who says that people can continue in their sin without repentance and uh, that nothing will happen that they'll be okay, that they, they won't be harmed by their sin. And uh, John, what, 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 is, uh, what uh, is Jeremiah telling him? Well, it, it, it reminds me of that book years ago, I'm okay, you're okay. Mm. You know, <laughs> the preachers have preached just that. I mean, as hard as it is, you do need to preach the law to expose people's sinfulness so you can pour in the wonderful good news of God's love. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, prophets, the false prophets just weren't pointing to those two messages. Yes. You know? Yeah, they, they forgot the, the purpose of the law. And, and um, you know, it's, uh, you, you pointed out the old uh, I'm okay, you're okay argument. Um, have you ever seen, what was the, uh, the sign? If I'm okay and you're okay, then what about this? Uh, Christ <laughs> on the cross. Oh, okay. You know, uh, if, if, we're all, if we truly are okay, if God just winks at sin, then why do we have a Savior that goes and, and pays the penalty for sin and the punishment for sin? It says, uh, because they did not come into my counsel, therefore they did not speak my words. Yes, that's right. So, uh, so one of the proclamations of the church is to preach the law and to call people to repentance, mm-hmm. uh, to turn from their sin and to turn to Christ. And, uh, and it's only then that people are able to hear this wonderful good news for sinners. Right. That uh, sin isn't okay, but God is going to rescue people who turn from their sin and turn to Christ. So. I know in our th- uh, theological background, we talked about that being the alien work of God to expose our sin. Yes. Uh, because his proper work, the work that he really delights in is forgiving us. But yes. he can't do that if we don't believe we're sick. Yes, that's right. So, uh, so when 
uh, a pastor or a preacher today, a religious leader, um, condones sin or condones things that the you know Scripture specifically forbids, mm-hmm. uh, we should be cautious about that. We should wonder where they're where they're getting their word because they're certainly not getting their word from from God. I'm wondering if these false prophets just wanted to be liked, uh, just be popular. Uh, yeah, that could happen. You know? Yeah, one of my favorite movies. It's a lot easier to tell people good everything's things. okay. Yeah, we'll only prophesy good things to you. <laughs> I know this is not a movie show, but one of my favorite movies is the uh, older movie called Mass Appeal where Jack Lemmon plays the part of an older Catholic priest who, over the years, in order to be well-liked, has given up all of his principles. Meanwhile, he's got this young seminarian who's all law, no gospel, no tact whatsoever, and the conflict between the priest who's given up his ideals and principles oh. is meeting a guy that's overly principled to the yeah. point there's no love. Yeah. And the conflict, it's just a, it's a wonderful movie. You well, know? And, and, if, and if you're not setting... Um, the law, if, if the gospel doesn't, uh, isn't brought to bear when people have heard the law, then you're also not preaching God's word. Mm-hmm. You're especially not preaching God's word because, as you said, God's proper work is to, to bring this good news about a Savior to us. There's a part of this uh, verse that I, I've, I've always enjoyed, and that is where uh, it says uh, how, he can't, how God can't see me. or Am I, too, am I a guy who can't see can a man hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him? Yeah. I remember when my kids are little, they would cover themselves up with a blanket and say, you can't see me. Yeah, because they couldn't see you. They couldn't see me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's as foolish as mankind is by nature. Yeah. Says, because I can't see you, God, you can't see me. Yeah. You know, oh, no, 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 that's not true. And when, and when people try to hide their sin, I think, uh, you know, that's that's the foolish thing that they're doing. Uh, uh when, when uh, what they're missing is is this wonderful good news that God takes our sin and He covers it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, until we until we hear the law, until we hear of our uh, uh, sinfulness, we're not ready to hear that the good news. Uh, does, it's meaningless to us if we believe that we don't have a problem in the first place. Nobody's going to go to chemotherapy if they don't believe they have a tumor. I do believe that once you come to discover God is a God of love and he's forgiven you certain things, it becomes easier knowing, yeah, I can, I can show him all my dirt. Yeah. You know, because he's forgiven what I've already given to him. Uh-huh. And uh, so I think that's why, maybe that's why Luther thinks uh, repentance should be an ongoing thing, even in the Amen. life of a Christian. Amen. 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 Every day, yes. Every day we return to our baptism. And, mm-hmm. and in our liturgy, you know. We, mm-hmm. we start, you know. We start with confession and absolution. If we right. say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful, faithful and just. Faithful and just. Yeah, amen. To forgive our sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we have that promise set against this bad news of the law. We have the good news of the promise of Christ. Mm-hmm. But uh, So if, you have, if you're in a church where you're not hearing the law, then you're, you're really not hearing uh, the good news either. Not the way it's, mm-hmm. uh, not the, the fully comforting way that it's meant to be preached. Uh, okay, so we have another lesson. Uh, we're gonna let's kind of go through uh, the Roman, uh, the I'm sorry, the Acts lesson there, twenty-seven through thirty-eight. We won't say much about it, but we're just gonna mention it here. Okay. For I did not shrink from declaring you to you the whole counsel of God, 
pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, before sorrowful most of all because he had spoken that these would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to his ship. And this is, of course, Paul saying goodbye to people that he's ministered to. Uh, this is near the city of Ephesus. And he, has, he was in the city of Ephesus for three years, building these people up in the gospel and preaching to them and teaching them the, the word of the Lord. And now he's saying goodbye to them, never to see them again. Um, and one of the things he says, what is John? He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Lutherans would say what? The whole counsel of God is both law and gospel. The preaching of the law and the gospel. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and and the purpose was, uh, and now I commend you to the grace, uh, uh, commend you to God, and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance, among, in this inheritance that we receive uh, by the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, this eternal life. I also wonder if inheritance. he. I wonder if he also stressed, "Hey, I preached to you the whole counsel of God." Because other places, people came in after him and said, Paul didn't yeah. give you the whole scoop. Yes. Mm. Besides Jesus, you need not to eat pork, guys, yeah. you know, or be circumcised. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure that was in his mind, Yeah. So, certainly in his letters. So mm-hmm. as important as the law is, it re- reveals our need for a Savior so we come to know Jesus. Yeah. But then we don't want to add to the gospel with more laws or more man-made rules. Or yeah, turn the gospel into a law. Yeah, yeah. a Jesus plus gospel. You need Jesus plus... Amen. Whatever. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have one more lesson, and I know we're kind of going through the lessons a little hurriedly today, but uh, one more lesson. And Alan, why don't you read that gospel lesson for us? This is from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. And Jesus said, beware, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father and 
who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Yeah, so here's the gospel lesson, and this is uh, Christ our Lord in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody has heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Most people have heard of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a, kind of a, toward the end of this great sermon that Christ gives in which he uh, really does preach the law in some, in some very pointed ways, doesn't he, John? Mm-hmm. When he tells us, you've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say to you, anyone who's angry with his brother is guilty enough to go into fiery hell. He says, you have heard it said, you shall not lust uh, after a woman, or you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever lusts after a woman has already committed adultery. So very pointed. And here again, we're, we're, um, we're, we're pinned down here. Because it's not just murderers and adulterers, but it's you and me mm-hmm. who are guilty. And, uh, and, and, and the law is kind of pointing out our sin. Now, in this text toward here, uh, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus, again, is addressing this issue of the false prophets. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he tells them, you know, uh, you'll know them by their fruits. Uh, bad trees don't bear good fruit. Good trees don't bear bad fruit. And then he goes on and he, and he talks about these who say, Lord, Lord, uh, not everyone he says to me who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says that on the last day uh, they'll be confronted, and uh, he said, "Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." Now, here again is this issue of this issue of lawlessness uh, in the in the Greek. John, what is the word for law? The word for no, law. Well, in, in uh, nomos in, uh, yeah. in the Greek, yeah. Torah in the Old Testament. Yeah, and so um, uh, he seems to be addressing here uh, the antinomians, the antinomos. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's addressing these these who say that uh, yeah, the law is doesn't have any bearing on us. So people who are practicing lawlessness, you know, the fruit of the spirit. Now it's. Um, John, does that mean, is Jesus telling us here that if we live the right way, then we'll earn the reward of being welcomed into heaven? Only if you take that verse out of context. Yes. Because if you go earlier, it says a, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Yeah. I remember the uh, BBC Luther movie. I don't know if you ever saw that with Jonathan <laughs> Price, the British actor. No. And uh, Luther was extolling got a minute left. Okay, real quick. Uh, he was confronting how his students only knew the law, and he was starting to stress the gospel to one to such an extent they said, but we're commanded to do good works, you know. Yeah. You know, By your fruits you will know them. And Luther yeah. says, says, that's true, but you missed the verse before. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And we are bad trees that cannot produce good fruit. And the students said, well, what, what does a tree mean to be a good tree? What does it take? And he says, faith. Yeah. Faith in Jesus. When we are grafted in the Christ, yeah. then we begin to bear fruit. So people who are truly have faith in Christ, that, that faith in Christ is going to produce fruit that honors God. It won't, they won't be living lawless lives uh, because they will have heard the good news. They'll be in Christ. And they'll, and, love their uh, neighbor, and they'll love their neighbor. And even when they sin, they know they're forgiven. Mm-hmm. And we all sin. And we all know that this, uh, that the, the, the one truly who did bear good fruit, Christ, went to the cross and suffered for us so that, uh, 
so that the condemnation we deserve doesn't come to us, but the eternal life that he earned does come to us. And that's the good news, folks. We thank you for joining us today. Uh, this program will be rebroadcast Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and Wednesday at 7 or 7.10 p.m. And uh, if you don't have a church home, we invite you to Gethsemane Lutheran Church. We're at 219 East Church Street in Marion, Ohio, right beside Rocky's Bicycle Shop. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 a.m. And so if you don't have a home, if you don't have a place where you're hearing the good news uh, on a regular basis, come and visit with us, Gethsemane Lutheran Church. Thanks for joining us.